Yeah, I told you we'd be back with part two with my boy from Florida, South Florida, Fort Lauderdale to be exact. He's a transplant there from the great area of Dallas, Texas. Brett Cannon, yesterday we touched on a lot of things hunting, and that's just a little bit of the uh, touching the surface of this man's life. Everybody always wants to know, what does Brett Cannon do? We got into that a little bit yesterday. Interstate Batteries, his brothers, his dad, Rob, who's a good buddy of mine. He's a killer from way way back in the day. And um, today I just want to continue down that path of, you know, taking a risk, stepping outside of the norm, and following the dream, believing in your passion, believing in yourself, and figuring out a way to execute on that and putting the right pieces of that puzzle together, the right people in place, the right asses in the right seats, and knowing what it takes to to go out and hunt for a living, fish for a living, have partners and sponsors and agreements and be uh, you know delivering content and building brands with people. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot of uh, ingenuity and it takes a lot of consistency and messaging and it takes a lot of, a lot of, a lot of tenacity. And Brett's got all that. So we're probably going to have to get into right away. Um, before we get into the fishing part, I wanted to touch a little bit on you know, we talked about how much Florida has to offer, but you venture out of there. What, what, give me an idea of what you've done so far this year. You said that you drove to Utah, you drove to Nebraska, you drove to here. Mm-hmm. And I know that you spend a lot of time in Kansas, but what, what, what are your main passions? It's a big game. What are you doing on these trips? Yeah, I, man, I got introduced to big game, like the elk stuff recently. And that's just been, that's taken over my life. I think I, I, uh, I went out to Utah, mule deer, spot and stalk velvet, then I went to Colorado on a public land do-it-yourself hunt, 150 miles on foot, you know, in like eight days. Had like three opportunities, but didn't didn't seal the deal. Um, then drove back to Kansas, and I ended up killing a deer on my way back home, like a giant whitetail in Kansas. Came back to uh, Florida for a little bit, then drove back out to Nebraska, then back to Kansas to my farm, and then I drove to Kentucky was in Kentucky for nine days holding off on for like a really big deer didn't see him and then that's about it so I've been to Utah Colorado Nebraska Kansas Kentucky and I may try to go to Texas and Panama City and which what what's been your favorite one so far this year elk in Colorado is that is that what you would you say is your go-to right now is archery hunting big elk yeah just and just because it's something different and I'm, you know, I haven't figured it out yet. You know, I feel like you never figure out whitetail hunting, but you know, I've, I've done all the work to the leases and got it pretty much set up to where I know I got a shot at a big deer every year. Um, that's still probably that and elk hunting is right there. I mean, I don't, it's hard to, I don't know. It's hard to beat a big whitetail, but elk, it's just, there's so much I have to learn and so much that I, I don't know. I want to accomplish in the elk world now. So, are you putting elk and deer way ahead of turkey or do you love turkey too oh man yeah I, it is just i do turkey because you know the interaction with with the turkey you know getting them to gobble and stuff like that's probably one of my favorite things can't beat a big elk or a whitetail in my in my book really yeah yeah you can no. it's called mallard ducks no sorry yeah <laughs> no so when you're when you're on these trips we, you know, we touched on it before, is that you're not just going out and buddy hunting anymore. It's become um, a, a thing to where you have to execute on a daily basis. You're, mm-hmm. com- you're consistently 
getting footage, taking photos, videoing, social media, Instagram stories, Facebook. I don't know if you snap or chat, but you're very aggressive with your social media and, and people probably say, um, you know, why are you, why, why does everything have to be filmed and documented? And why does everything have to be seen through a four inch square on a phone? And I kind of, I agree with that. And, but <clears throat> in life, I think that there's a couple different things that you have to understand is that if it's your job and that's your livelihood and you have, you, you, you know, you have deliverables that you need to deliver to these companies. Like you work with Realtree and Garmin and Oakley and, and, and Sixth Sense and, and all of these different hunting companies that are paying you to deliver content and fly their flag and help them build their brands and keep that, that brand awareness out there within the hunting community, introduce new people to it. So you're constantly working on that. Does it bother you? Like you have to have your phone out and you can't miss this part about, oh man, this elk's bugling right now. I got to get this. Instead of sitting there and enjoying it, me sitting in a duck blind and enjoying it, it's like, I got to get my phone out because now I got to build, help build this brand and, and, and I got to promote what's going on. And, and I don't, it sounds easy. It sounds, you know, like anybody can do it, but it does take a, a certain tenacity to do it and a certain eye to see it of what people are going to want to see, what's going to be engaging, and you're very good at that. But my question is, is does it bother you to ha always have that in the back of your mind? Like, I can't just sit here and enjoy this. I have to be, you know, getting these stories, getting these photos, and, and, and creating all this content. Even if I don't show it right away, I have to have this in my library ready for the rest of the year to keep building these brands. Yeah, yeah, no, it definitely, definitely gets over overwhelming at sometimes. You know, sometimes you just want to sit back and just enjoy it, but, you know, like, that's what they want and they check your impressions and you, I got to send, you know, reports out and, and things like that. So if you're not getting those impressions and that engagement, then the next guy is, you know, so you have to always, you always got to be doing it now. And it's, it's part of it. So it, it's just become second nature. It doesn't bug you. Like you find yourself challenging yourself in different ways of getting a better story, becoming more engaging, figuring out a way to be, you get your, your uh, followers to keep watching you. I mean, it's all about consistency and messaging. I keep saying that, but if you can develop something that is gravitating and has that gravitational pull to where people are being pulled into your world, they want to sit in that truck with you. They want to live through you vicariously. And that's what this thing, uh, you know, it, 10 years ago, you didn't have Instagram stories or five years ago, probably to where yeah, you could go on there at any time and get updated right away live of a Brett Cannon stock on a mule deer, or like you're going up and seeing the deer right away, right after you just harvested it and you're on the blood trail and you've let him sit for a while. And now you're going to recoup your, your animal and start, you know, butchering it. Mm -hmm. Like you couldn't do that. So now it's, it's like you can live in everybody else's world. Um, do you see that to where is it a positive all the time with you? Like, is it everybody's always, do you have the haters out there that are like, man, you're, you, you find that in this, in this industry? Like, oh, why so would you hate on somebody that's doing what they love and they have the passion for it and they're, they're either they're lucky enough or they work their butts off to get to that point or they have a different vision than you. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot it of all work. all the time, yeah. Must be nice. Oh, it's, it's just like, come on, man. Yeah. It's yeah. like... I bust my butt trying to do this. I've sacrificed a lot to try to do this too. So, um, but no, I, I, man, I'm watching guys' stories right now that are out hunting, and I can't wait to every time it pops up. I'm like, oh, did he kill one? Did he get one? Did it? So, I know that that's what other people want, and you know, I, I need to do a better job too at, at actually getting more out there because some of the people are doing an amazing job at, you know, 
sharing their life with everyone, I guess. <laughs> and it's, I, I don't know. It's almost like, uh, it's like, you can't be like, I probably have mixed views of it because in one sense, I'm saying, why is everybody doing this at a concert and they're filming it? And I'm like, nobody's ever going to watch those videos, but then it's okay for me to do it because I am building a brand and trying to keep those followers engaged and keep them, you know, caught up on my life when really, do they really give a shit that I'm at a concert? Do they really care that I'm cutting a Christmas tree down? And the answer is yes. It's I like, know, it's, hard, it's, I get it's, it. it's hard to believe that because I'm not that interested in, in what people are doing. Like, I don't care that you went to Starbucks and got a cup of coffee, but maybe your friends and followers the people that do that, maybe they do care about that. Maybe they're like, oh, that reminded me I needed to go get a caramel macchiato or you're so lucky you get to have coffee at Starbucks and, you know, I got to go to 7-Eleven and just get a 60 cent cup and you got a $6 cup. You know, I, it's like, why would anybody ever care that you're drinking a coffee? But no. they must, right? Because yeah. they're putting it on there. I don't try to do that kind of stuff. But, but not, no, but what I'm yeah. saying is, it's, is it okay for us to do it just because we're saying we're building brands, but then we can tell people like, uh, why are you doing that? Why are you putting on what you're eating? Well, I show people when I'm cooking on a Traeger, what we're eating, how we skin a duck, how we season a duck, how we make sure that we do put the right amount of smoke to it, whatever it is. And I'm like, I can do this in my mind. I'm telling myself, this is okay, right, Chad? Because people really care that you're doing this. It's helping Traeger. It's helping yeah. the brands and, and, and everything that we do within the banded properties. And, and I'm sitting there going, then I really can't be a hypocrite and yeah. say, dude, no, then, uh, you know, let's just take a soccer mom, for example. Hey, I'm out at my son's soccer practice. So, right? My attitude is like, so just enjoy it. You're out there with your kid, but maybe... Her family yeah. is living through that moment. That yeah. She might have extended family somewhere exactly. in their scene. You know? So it's, it's a touchy thing for me because when I'm not building a brand and I'm just having a, a you know, I very rarely put my family on my social media mm -hmm. because I just like chilling and, and being, you know, and keeping some things personal and some things sacred. Yeah. Exactly. That's, you, you, you know where I'm I going with like that? You have to. Yeah, yeah. I try to just do things that are going to motivate or just, you know, whether it's deer or it's fishing or hunting or training or some kind of motivation or, or packages I got from, you know, partners or whatever, you know, I, then if I think something's funny or something like that, but other than that, I'm not trying to do everything that I like everybody else. I feel like everyone has to let everyone know what they're doing at all times. Some people. Yeah. And it almost and becomes then, addicted. Yeah. It's like, if you, you get to the point when you're trying to do this and, you know, quote unquote building brands, it's like, if I miss a day, and I fall off, I'm not doing my job because this is not hard to hit this button, but that's the easy part to hit the button and record something. It's the thing that you do that's engaging with the different angles, the different lighting, the different audio, the different commentary. Um, that's what's engaging to people is that is going on. That really is happening right now. I might be in my office in downtown Orlando and I can go on and see what Brett Cannon and a local Floridian, you, you know, obviously not born and raised there, but a local Floridian's doing right now. And that could motivate me. Like, I can't wait till five o'clock on Friday. I can't wait to go and buy some new hunting gear. I can't wait for the season. I can't wait for my season to come in, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that there's a right way to do it. That's that, that you can set yourself apart Mm -hmm. when it comes to content delivery and getting the right content and that right angle and that mm -hmm. right picture. And then when you post it, what's the right picture to post? You might take 40 of them that day and you're like, man, I wonder which one people are really going to like. Are they going to get this one? Cause I'm pulling this deer out, you know, like yeah. that. Do you know what you're going for? Do you have an idea every day of what you're going to get? Or is uh, a lot of it just, just off the cuff? Off the cuff, man. I go out there with a the game plan and just how much I'll bring a lot of, you know, a lot of apparel with me, you know, obviously. And I get, 
you know, that's the, that's the one thing people are like, Oh, I'll post fishing pictures while I'm on a forklift, you know, on my story because, Hey, I gotta, I need to do X amount of pictures for Oakley or X amount of pictures for this company. So people may think that I'm on, I'm out fishing that day, but I'm actually on, on the forklift unloading a semi truck. So I post these pictures and some people are like, man, you have the life. I'm like, no, I just get so much. I have so much content that I go out and get that, you know, I have to post it. So there's times where I'm posting on a forklift and that's why I'll try to post on my story. Hey, I'm on a forklift. I'm not really fishing. And I think people sometimes get confused, but, um, yeah, as far as, you know, having a game plan before I get out there, I have like a small one. Hey, this is the company I'm going to go after today or I'm going to get content for, but you know, everything changes as far as weather, or if I caught a big one or, or I killed something or, you know, whatever, whatever, and, whatever I go for. And it's, you, you bring up the wardrobe part of it and all the clothes and it's like you, you on a trip and there's going to be certain times to where when you have these partners, it's almost, is it scripted now? Is it rehearsed now? Because one minute I'll have a real tree hoodie on mm-hmm. and be doing a segment. And then the next minute I'll have a Dick CPAC hat on with, uh, with a Traeger, you know, apron on or something do with the Traeger. And then the next second mm-hmm. I got an Oakley Paris Oakley sunglasses on with, you know, Oakley with Street. a bandit or an Avery hoodie on and, or an edge duck boat shirt or whatever on. And I'm like, man, I'm like going, you, it's so much work to keep it all in check and say like, I got to make sure that I have all of my bases covered because I am taking on the responsibility of helping these guys build their brand. They're paying us and entrusting us to not only fly their flag with integrity and ethics, but to help them get it bigger. That's what Mm -hmm. they're asking us to do is market. This is a a form of marketing. It's just like somebody bought McDonald's or Coca-Cola buying a commercial on the Super Bowl. This is another way of marketing that they're paying you to do things through social media. We're doing it through social media and TV with the Outdoor Channel, this podcast, live events. There's so many different things that go into being able to, to master the art of content delivery. And people think, how do I get that job? Or they ask, how do they get that job? How do I... How are you doing that? You have a dream life. And I'm like, well, in a sense, it looks like that because you're seeing the good. A lot of people only see the good on social media, Mm -hmm. but they don't know about the, the, the finances, the expenses, the sacrifice, the, 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 the failures that come with it. Not that any of that is a hurdle, but it's a business. And there's a lot of growing pains and a lot of ups and downs and speed bumps and road bumps with building a business, building a brand, especially on the national level. Yeah. You go from being local and working with your local paper, but now all of a sudden you're working with big dogs like Realtree and Garmin and Oakley. Now it's like you've elevated it to now I really got to step my game up because I don't want to be just another guy delivering more content. I have to be better at it. I have to be original and clever and witty and better angles and perfect and, and just get really creative stuff that makes that viewer and that, that end user, that potential consumer go, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I can I can smell those smells. I can taste those tastes. I can feel that fish in my hands. I can hold those horns in my hands. I can call those ducks like that. Yeah. I've seen my dog do that. I've seen my dog's eyes look up at the sky. And when a duck hunter sees that, they feel it. It gives them. Their, it touches all their senses. When a bass fisherman sees you on your boat in Okeechobee, they're like, I've been there. I've done that. I'm going this week, and I can't wait to do it again. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily like you're saying, rah, rah, look at me. And the, if people are always thinking like, well, you're so lucky you get the fish and you get paid to do this. Yeah, that's, we're fortunate. Mm-hmm. 
-hmm. But there is a difference in being good at it and being just somebody that's out there filming it and putting content out there. If you really want to get into it and have companies go, yes, you have what we are looking for. I think that people need to look at somebody like you and say, this guy's sacrificed full-time jobs. He's out traveling by himself, lonely on the road. Some places he kills a buck, some he doesn't. He might go get lucky on an elk, but you travel all the way to Utah and you didn't get to fling an arrow, arrow at a buck. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you got to, you, if you're looking at it from the outside, my deal would be study it. Figure out what Brett Cannon's doing, right? And that's what I've always did. When I, when I look at your stuff, I'm a big fan. I've always been a, been a big fan of what you do content-wise. I just wonder if people can look at it and go, well, how do you get there? Or you're so lucky to do that. Or do they really look at it and say, man, he is doing things different. And that's my whole point of what I'm saying right now is look at it from a creative professional stance and look at what you're doing with your angles and the professionalism and the gear you're using, the equipment you're getting, the cameras you're running, the software you're using to edit. You're doing a lot of that stuff on your own. You're self-taught on a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've never learned on YouTube or lynda.com. <laughs> that's what you done? Yeah. Yeah, YouTube or lynda.com. Lynda.com. Mm-hmm. Teach you everything about editing and all the Adobe suite stuff. But, yeah, man, I, I, I get inspiration from, you know, obviously people like you and other other people. And I I try to mimic some of those things and put my own twist on it. But, yeah, I've, I've sacrificed quite a bit to try to big time. I've had some – offered some big time jobs with – make bank and i just was like man i want to try to do what i love to do for a living right so and I'm, so you're finally starting to get close of being able to tell me what you do for a living you still haven't done it <laughs> and i keep trying to pull it out of you and i keep giving you the ability to say here is what i do for a living and i'm sitting here asking you what you do for a living and if you turn the tables on me and play devil's advocate or something and say well what do you do for a living yeah. I'd be like, oh shit. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, because when I get asked that question, Brad, I'm like, I don't know how to answer this. Mm-hmm. Really, what could you define what I do? Could you tell me what I do for a living? Kill ducks. But see, that's the thing is that it's that's like but the smallest, minuscule so part of much. it. Yeah, you do so much. You build brands. You build, I mean, you, yeah, it's crazy. You have your own Bass Pro Shops in that office over there. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is insane. But, no, yeah, it's hard. It's, it's hard to answer hard. that question. And I get asked it on every trip, every day of my life. I go, well, what do you do, Chad? And it's like, well, if I really tell you what I do, it's probably going to make you roll your eyes and say, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, and, and I hate to say it that way, but like, I can't put my finger on exactly what somebody like Michael Waddell does. Like, Jim Shockey, what do you do? What do you do? Are you a guide? Are you an outfitter? Jim Shockey's huntingadventures.com. I can book a hunt and go hunting with you, or I can book a hunt in an outfitter that you recommend and you get a percentage of the sales of every hunt that Jim Shockey's fans and customers and fa- and viewers watch. He's a stud. He's a badass. Eve is awesome. Um, it, what does he do, though? Is he a host of a TV show? Is he an outfitter? Is he a professional bear hunter? Is he a spokesperson for Dallas Safari Club and the SCI groups of, of, of the world? What yeah. does Jim Shockey do? What does Michael Waddell do? It's hard to put... Yeah. This life is special, and it's hard to put your finger on because there's so many moving parts. One day 
Waddell speaking at an NWTF convention. The next day, he's doing a youth hunt on an Indian reservation in New Mexico. The next day, he's at the Hooray Ranch with a ton of celebrities and big time like Blake Shelton and Dallas Davidson and, and Red Akins, the guys we talked about yesterday. He's doing that up at the Hooray Ranch in, in Kansas. And then the next week, he's at the SHOT Show doing appearances and meetings, behind-the-scenes stuff for the Outdoor Channel. He's hosting the Moose Awards. And then the next week, he's at the NWTF convention in Nashville speaking on behalf of the NWTF and doing appearances there. What do you do? Is he a celebrity? Are you a host of a TV show? Are you a professional hunter? Are you a mentor? Yeah. Are you what are what it's yeah, hard yeah. because there's once you get into it and you develop this network and you get good at the content delivery and set yourself apart where people now those companies that you're getting content for go, hey, Brett, you know, you're in shape. You look good. We want to can you come on a photo shoot for us? And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm going to get paid to go get be a model. Not like a I'm not talking about a male model. I'm talking about somebody in hunting photos and and being part of like a real tree ad and commercials that we've both done. Both have done and. Now you add that to the Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. Oh, really? I did that. And then the next day, you get asked to go deliver a seminar on fishing for the grand opening of a Bass Pro down in wherever, in the Keys, and now you're a seminar speaker. So it's hard to put it like, what do you do? Yeah. It's, and that's what I've been trying to get at is that it's very, very hard and difficult to answer that question where, as opposed to I said to my mom, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a nurse practitioner. Okay. Yeah. That's, the, right? that's what she does. She has specialized... Mm -hmm. in, uh, education in medicine, pretty close to being an MD and a doctor, a nurse practitioner. She's very educated in medicine and taking care of people and, and oncology and cancer. That's what she does. She's a nurse. She's a nurse practitioner. Yeah. My brother, Clint, what do you do for a living? Well, he does a lot with us, but his main source of income is he is a phys physical therapist. He has a master's degree in physical therapy. But then when they get to you, you're like, hey, Brett, like your brother, what do you do? Oh, I've run an interstate battery shop with my dad, Rob, in South Florida. Yep. That's what he does. That's where yeah. his income comes from. Yep. Well, you're getting checks from like seven or eight different companies, right? Mm -hmm. You get checks from all these different partners and you're doing different things for each one. Yeah. That's what's crazy about this lifestyle. One day you're speaking, one day you're taking pictures, one day you're doing internet, uh, Instagram stories. The next mm -hmm. day you're doing a photo shoot. The next yeah. day you're being asked to write copy. And if you're going to build a brand, you got to start, you, st you got to just learn on the fly. And every day there's going to be new things that come about. So when people say, how did you get that life? How do I work in the hunting industry? How do I host my own TV show? I always tell them straight up, first and foremost, I don't really think that you need to worry about becoming a quote unquote professional hunter. I don't think you need to worry about saying that you can blow a duck call the best or pull a, you know, 70 pound bow back and, and shoot it and, and be, you know, dead on at 40 to 60 yards. I don't think that those are the big things that you need to worry about. Those are going to come with hunting and passion and loving. And if you really want to be a good hunter, but in the business world, I tell them it's education, it's networking, mm -hmm. it's negotiations. It's, it's looking at somebody and saying, yeah, I can do this. Here's what we offer. Here's what I can do. Here's what I can deliver. Here's what I'm willing to do it for. And you're going to get all of this from me for every single day of the year. This is what I'm going to be responsible for. Yeah. And I'm probably going to go above and beyond for you. Over deliver. That's where I, I always over deliver. But you have to have, you have to have the network. You have to be able to develop people skills. You have to be educated in small group communication, public speaking, finance, negotiations, the art of the deal, um, putting together contracts, putting together 
proposals, putting together business plans, putting together a dashboard to show a company that here's everywhere where we delivered for you in the month of May, 2018. It's not even hunting season, but here's what we did. We did this on this. We did this on this date on our YouTube. We were doing this on our Instagram. We were doing this. We did a live event in Southern California. We did a live event in Portland, Oregon. We had this out there for you. We were speaking on your behalf. We had your banners up. We had placement there. And boom, and they're looking at that dashboard going, holy smokes, this is a lot of deliverables. So my point is, is that there is, it's not, oh, Brett's just out there with his phone taking pictures of another hunt that he paid to go on. No, you're getting to go on these hunts because you're able to set yourself apart and have these companies believe in you and entrust in you to say, hey, he, we don't have to send a, another camera crew out there because Brett's got it covered. We're yep. getting content daily through our social media channels. And then when he gets back, he, he does, he develops either a zip compressed zip file or a Dropbox file and delivers all these photos from the last five days to where now Realtree or Garmin or somebody can go in there and you have these folders labeled Garmin and then go in there and go, okay, we got the watches here. We got this here. We got all this stuff that Brett's has with it. We got GPS is here, whatever he's using whether he's fishing or hunting, now we can go in there and say, that one's for a print ad, that one's for a banner at the SHOT Show, that one is for a booth at the NWTF, this one's gonna be a digital ad, this one's gonna be a website banner. All of that stuff, they look at it and go, man, we're getting a lot of bang for our buck out of this guy, we're gonna entrust him again, now we're gonna sign a multi-year deal with him because he's strong and he delivers. And that's what you do. Yeah. You're delivering and you set yourself apart. And it's not luck, it's hard work. Yeah, yeah, they don't, they don't see it, I'll, I'll fish a tournament you know, all day and the fish that I have, say I have a good sack in the boat. I'll, uh, I'll take those fish as long as they're healthy and I'll go back out for four hours and just get content. Then after that, I drive two and a half hours home and I edit all those pictures. So it's like, they don't, you, people don't see that back end of all of this, you know, like the hours and hours of editing and trying to learn new, new techniques or new editing place. Like, because all these camera equipment, all this camera stuff's getting better and better. And then all these guys are editing, you know, there's just, it's just, a, I don't know, it's evolving every day and you just got to be on top of it. So every day I go home, I go on YouTube or I go try to learn the next step, you know, their next process on how to get better at what I'm doing. Well, you bring up another point there and, and think about this is that the normal way of buddies when they're out in the woods duck hunting or deer hunting or turkey hunting is you have the anticipation and you're at camp mm -hmm. and you go to bed and you wake up and you get your decoys set up and you get your, you get all of the things and all your blinds hidden. and you get everything ready to go for that hunt. Here come the birds off the roost, call them in, shoot a few high five and everybody's happy. And then here comes Chad. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't get back in. We got to get the shot. Yep. Okay. Now another flock comes in, you're high fiving wears people out wears them out and then after the hunt and this is where i was going with this like you mentioned after the hunt or after you're fishing going back out for four hours on the boat it's the normal thing to do is feel like man that was worth it guys we did it we we accomplished what we came out here to do we had a blast we created memories we have we we executed our game plan exactly how we wanted we scouted the right way we set up in the right spot we had the perfect decoy we judged the wind and the sun right we knew what the ducks and geese were going to do and let's go to the cafe and get some biscuits and gravy. Go take a nap. Let's go scout this afternoon. And then I'm like, guys, we got another hour and a half of work before we even go and pull, pull the trucks into the field to even pick up the first decoy. Exactly. Well, what do you mean? Well, to do things right and to separate yourself, it's not just hunting anymore. And people can easily say, just show us the hunt. Just show us the hunt. Well, no. 
I can't do that because that's people have been shooting ducks for hundreds of years and a duck's got a brain as big as a peanut and they're not that hard to kill and a bass isn't that hard to catch. We're not, we're not you know, brain surgeons here. We're going to do things different. We're, gonna, we're entertainers now. We have to build a sense of entertainment value into this, not fake it, but we have to get different shots to, again, show that feeling. If everything is just a camera on the birds coming in and dying and going away, the ones that you don't hit, that gets old watching that. Yep. So we got to create that feeling. Again, those dog's eyes, the hunter's eyes, the calling, grabbing the call with the hand, a close-up of that, but the hand going to the barrel and wrapping around, or we're going to the gun and wrapping around that stock or the ammo going into the gun, the coffee thermos being opened and the steam coming off of it and the the eggs frying in a pan or whatever. And now all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, that reminds me of my duck blind. Or I've got to get that in that duck blind. I want to be in there with Chad and Brett. And that's what creates that sense of need and desire in a consumer's mind and says, hey, I'm going to watch more of these episodes. And I'm going to watch them because they're entertaining, they're educational, there's not... I try not to hard sell stuff. I don't Ricky Bobby. If you don't chew big red, then F you. I don't say, I don't get on there and go, this is the best Benelli that I've ever owned and here's why. And I'm, I'm, I know that there's a time and a place for that. You know, a, a lot of these shows will have gear list used. And I'm like, well, if you build the right messaging into the episode as far as the lifestyle goes, in my opinion, that's what creates the following and the engagement and the millions of impressions and people going, wait a minute, you're telling me that I can get all of that out of duck camp. That's what duck camp means to you guys. And we're missing, we're maybe we're missing something or we're taking it for granted. But now I see like, this is what it's about. This mm-hmm. is why we're blessed to be an American hunter, not just pulling that trigger and killing a dumbass duck. Yeah. That's sad. I've always say it all the time. If you're not compassionate about the animals you're killing, then something's wrong with you. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's what, that's what I'm saying is that that hard work is, is what sets you apart of going out and saying, hey, we got to go back out for four hours. Keep these mm-hmm. fish fresh. Keep them alive. Get these shots of the rods, the reels, the sun going down. Meet the, the right lighting, the, 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 the motor, the, the boat ride, the drone footage. There's so many moving parts of it. Yeah, and you and can't that, do it while you're actually hunting. So it's yeah. got to be done after it's in post or whatever we call it. And yeah, no, you do a great job because I watch outdoor TV and I watch other duck shows and it doesn't make me want to duck hunt. When I watch your duck hunting show, I actually am like, man, I want to be there. I want to be listening to those guys sing or I want to be in that, that blind with Chad. And I don't know. You do a really good job, by the way. Well, thank you. And that means a lot. And that's the thing is that if you think about this, just go turn on like a regular network show, even if it's Nickelodeon, one of these kid shows where it's these kid actors and they got really, you know, easy elementary themes that, you know, that maybe an eight year old boy or girl would watch. And then when it's over or at the beginning, wherever they roll their credits, watch how many people work on that episode. Oh my gosh. And then think about what we're doing. We're trying to have that right lighting, that right sound design, that right props, that right, uh, everything that goes into getting that right shot. And a lot of these crews, like our, we don't work with a skeleton crew. We have awesome employees and we try to take good care of them to keep them because consistency with that is everything in this business. And you, a lot, you're doing a lot of it on your own. Yeah, I'm solo. So when you're solo and you're doing it, then that brings a whole other element to it. Like you can't have somebody hold the light for you. How are you modeling and taking the pictures at the same time? All of these are things that people are not seeing. They're not thinking about like, this guy's really building a business here. He's building a brand to where he has mailbox. When he opens his mailbox, he has checks in there from different companies on a monthly basis that are paying him 
because he works hard. He sets himself apart. Mm -hmm. The work doesn't stop when the last gunshot goes off and the duck brings that last duck back or that, that last fish goes in the live You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like, it's just begun. And people are like, I'm never, I promise you Belding, I will never hunt with you again. They say it all the time. And, and, and people are like, man, you got to take me on a trip. I've never seen ducks like that. And I'm like, I would, but I, I really want to still be friends with you. It's yeah. like, you, you don't, be, like I've had George Thompson and J.P. Fisher, Fisher from Benelli with me. And mm-hmm. me, one of the things I'm really, really bad at is calling the shot because I'm so mesmerized by ducks. And again, I'm trying to build that feeling in. If they come in on one swoop and I just sit up and smoke them, and I don't give them time to work and settle down and let ducks be ducks and hunt us up, then I feel like I'm not doing the audience justice. I want to get those beautiful shots of back flapping ducks and tons of them land in the decoys. And I hear these guys, you won't call the shot. What are you doing? Are you kidding me? What call the shot? And I'm like, let me do my job. And then it becomes like, now I become stressed because now I'm like, oh my God, these guys aren't having fun. They're going to hate me. They're not going to hunt with me anymore. I'm going to have to shoot another shotgun because <laughs> Benelli's going to drop me. Just this year in Canada, I have Hunter... Uh, Macklemore up with me from Banded and we did a podcast up there and with Grant Kuypers and Barkley Fisher and Buck Paradise and I thought he was my friend and he goes I probably won't hunt with you anymore he's like we had ducks at 15 feet and you're not calling the shot like I, I know you got to do what you got to do but god damn I mean there's only there's only just call the damn shot and I get it from everybody and I guess it is maybe maybe the consistency in their messaging is should tell me something but I really do get caught up in the power of it and right. what can we get them to do mm-hmm. because just killing another duck's not on my agenda yeah. it's not and i love hunting i love shooting them i'll kill them every day and i'll eat them every day but just shooting them to shoot them isn't my agenda anymore because i'm not fun hunting anymore mm-hmm. and people are like do you ever get to go out without the cameras and i'm like very rarely i do enjoy it but then there's always that day when you go out without the camera and something happens and then somebody that does what we do we're like oh you got to be freaking kidding me could yeah. you imagine if we would have got that yeah Oh, that's a nightmare of mine. Yeah. Every time I'm in the stand, I'm like, man, I'm just going to leave it because I got to carry the stand, all, all my stuff, and I got to carry the camera and the tripod, the, the arm, the tree arm, everything. And I'm like, man, I might just leave it today. And then that, that, that lasts about five seconds because then I'm like, no, I can't. Because what if that giant comes in or does that one thing that I wish I've been praying for all year? But yeah, no, man, that. It, it is always, it's constant work. And my friends get so mad at me too. Cause I'm, if I, if I shoot a deer, I mean, it's four legit four hours of photography after, because I got to make sure I'm getting shots for real tree. I'm getting shots for, you know, all the, all my partners. And it's not, you know, I'm so, I'm so anal with, with it that if it's not right, we're going to keep doing it. Again, now you're proving my point again, is that, that's what separates the good from the bad, in my opinion, or not maybe the bad, but the mediocre from the cream of the crop. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's, it, I'm not afraid to talk about like the ones that I really think are good at it, of creating a following, of creating content that's really strong, like the Heartland Bowhunter guys. Like there's probably nobody better at getting the shot yeah. than those guys. Yeah, they're, they're Doesn't really mean that Michael Hunsucker or Sean Luckkeller, those guys are the best whitetail hunters in the world or elk hunters or mule deer hunters, but they're never trying. They never said they were trying yeah. to be no. that th- those guys are young guys in their early thirties that are developing a brand that have a brand that's very successful yeah. to where they have Heartland waterfowl. Now they have Heartland bow hunter and they have, like we said, we talked about their yeah, they online produce, stuff. They produce the Lindsay way, the Lindsay way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're doing it, man. They're, they're strong. Awesome. 
Because they're good. Yeah. And they, people wouldn't go to them and entrust in them. And I think the Lindsay way was probably some of their idea in the first place, mm -hmm. but they've set themselves apart. They've become known for their videography more than their big bucks. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, Waddell no, no. doesn't necessarily have that big time. He's got good stuff. He doesn't have the level of creativity that Hunsucker has, but Waddell has T-Bone and Waddell and Munt, the personality, yeah, the destinations, the guests that they have on the show, the things that they do, the freestyle rap and the singing, the, the, the impressions, the, the characters that they do, the accents that they use, the jokes, the way they bounce each other off of each other in their in-studio interviews, the bone collector green light behind them and Waddell's got a Hoyt hat on or whatever and, and, and T-Bone's got this shirt on and, and they're all got their sponsors going. But then they're really creative in, in the way they edit it and they're bouncing off their it's very it's different. Yeah. It's very and then you got and then you have, you know, driven with Pat and Nicole. Pat's arguably the best videographer in the entire outdoor industry. Pat Reeves was come up in this game as a videographer back in the day, and now he's a host of his own show, but he still does a lot of the videography, the editing, setting up the shots, and it's beautifully done. Lee and mm -hmm. Tiffany. They don't probably have the level of the videography, but then they got Mark Womack and the Sub 7 crew that produces their show well as a, a lot of other ones, and they're some of the best outdoor TV producers in the world. Yeah, they're, they're So they awesome. got cool edits and cool storylines, and it goes, it goes in and out of the cabin, and the kids, now a lot of it centers around the family and the kids, and then Lee's in the tractor and the preseason stuff, and then the drone shots, and then they're out shed hunting with their black labs that were trained by Tom Dawkins, so they tie that into it, and then on the next episode, they're waterfowl hunting with those same dogs trained by you know, the docking guys, and they just do a good job of letting people live through them vicariously. And that's why they've set themselves apart and their lines are long to meet them at, a, at an appearance because they're good. They're, they're different. Really good. They're different. <laughs> yeah. at it, right. They've been and, at it for a long time too. And there's, they have that staying power because of it. I remember when we first started the foul life 10 years ago and shot show was in Orlando that year. And I had a big screen in our gun sponsor booth at the time. And I asked Waddell to come look at this two-minute teaser that we had built from our show. I didn't, barely knew him. I'd only met him one time before that. And I just walked up to him and said, Mike, Michael, would you come over and watch this and let me know what you think? Because we were both with Realtree. That was the only common bond that we had. And he looked at it, and I was expecting him to go, man, that's awesome, man. Good luck. Da, 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 da. And he looked at it, and he went, it's good, man. It's good. You know, it's good. Good, good luck. You know, like, it wasn't. It was real. It was like he wasn't that impressed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some guys would like sugarcoat and go, dude, this is bad. And, and I'm like, God damn, man. They're, he's on his, he's, you know, the, the cream of the crop and what we're doing here. And I wanted to get his opinion. And from that day on, I wanted to make sure that when I asked somebody that, they would be like, because I, I always say, I want your honest opinion. What do you think of this? Mm -hmm. Is it too much? Is it not good enough? And I like when people are honest and say, well, this, this is too driven by this rock music song. It's too rock video. It's too highlight. It's too, you know, music video-ish. It's, you know, it's not right. It doesn't have the feel. And I, and I take that stuff serious because mm -hmm. these guys are doing it. They're seeing it. They're getting it. And I want to be, I want peers in the industry to be like, that's good stuff. That's a good show. That's a crossover show to where I don't duck hunt, but I watch it because of the story, mm -hmm. the guests, the camaraderie. It just makes me feel like we're all one unit. You know, that's what my goal with the foul life was because I know that our demographic of duck hunters is way smaller than Michael Waddell's pulling from or Jim Shockey's pulling from in the deer hunting and big game world. Yeah. There's 14 and a half million, 15 million deer hunters in America. There's 2 million duck hunters. Yeah. <laughs> like 4 million or something turkey hunters. So we're pulling from the smallest demographic, a very loyal and a very uh, 
not maybe educated, but very, they, the money is in the, there's a lot of money in the duck hunting customer base and consumer base or, or, or fan base viewer. But we're still only pulling from a very small amount compared mm. to Waddell is. So we, I said, man, how do we, how do we get, do something more than just beat another guy calling a duck or killing a duck? How can we stand out a little bit? How can we get the attention of the big boys? How do we, how do we, you know, become a player in this? And it takes a while. Yeah. And I don't even know if we're there yet. I think I believe. Yeah, you're getting, yeah, you're getting there. I, I believe. Yeah, I believe in our brands, and I believe in what we put out there. But again, it's like I, I, can, I can't answer a lot of those questions on how we do it or how it gets that final state or how what footage do we use and what footage hits the, the editing room floor. There's so many moving parts in this business. I don't, I really couldn't tell anybody what you do for a living. People ask me all the time, what's your boy Brett do for a living? I'm like, it's a freaking good question. <laughs> I'm going to ask him when I see him. So I did, and you can't even answer. Yeah, no. No, I guess I'm a... I work for my dad. I know I, I know what I do at, at Interstate Batteries. So <laughs> I work at Interstate Batteries. I'm, but so is your dad going to listen to this and go, that's right, boy, you better tell him that you work for Interstate Batteries? <laughs> he probably, probably listened to this. But I also, I'd say I'm a brand ambassador, a content creator. I have a little bit of a, like a small production company. Um, and I fish a little bit and I hunt a little bit. That, has, that makes no sense. No. That's well, not I a, don't know. I don't know what That's to a say. terrible job description. I fish a little bit and I hunt a little bit and I have a camera and I do a little bit of, I mean, it makes zero sense. It's hard to answer. Yeah. Is that's all you got to tell people is like, I really don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? You hunt for a living? Kind of, but it's not really hunting anymore because I don't just go out and shoot stuff. And I got Steven Spielberg back here telling me, Hey, we got the shot. Go home, go to the trailer, Brett, and get some catering and, you know, and, and go get your next wardrobe. No, it's not that it's nonstop work. And then Get back that night at the campfire, you're worn out, your boots are soaked from all the creeks you had to cross that day, and you got your freaking wall tent up, and the fire's going, and the first thing you do is like, oh my God, I gotta get this, I gotta get this, I got, you know, we're cooking these, we're cooking these sheep tenderloins and backstraps over this fire, People, everybody wants to know what I'm doing right now, they watch me all day hunt, I can't leave them hanging, That what if I did just go to sleep or kick my feet up and didn't have the phone on, but now you gotta get that phone, and you gotta create that, that, that feeling of like, this is America. This is our fire. That's my tent. Those are my wet boots. There's my sheep horns that I got today. I was lucky enough to harvest my, my, my desert ram or my bighorn ram or whatever. There's my buddy over there that's helped me. He's got a tag up here. It's not for a sheep, but it's for a caribou. That's what we're going after tomorrow. And check out what we're cooking. Those foils are wrapped in Hungarian partridge right there. We seasoned them with a little bit of butter, but we didn't have a whole bunch because we had to pack in here and we didn't have a whole lot of room in our sack for it. So it's a really plain dinner, but this is what you can do with the flame and some foil. Boom, boom, boom. And then people are like, Holy shit, that's that's awesome! I can't wait to see what he's up to tomorrow. It yeah. never stops. No, and they don't see us having to put all the camera batter, or camera batteries on charge, upload all the footage, or download it. You know, make sure everything's set for the next day, which is another couple hours of, of work on the on the back end. So, no, it's it's not it's 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 nonstop. Yeah, it's nonstop. And when people ask what you know what it goes into, I just want to make sure I try to get that message out there that it's not something that you can say, wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm going to go get a bunch of footage for real tree, or I'm going to go get a bunch of footage for federal black cloud. You got to have a game plan. And I know a lot of it's off the cuff once you get out there, mm -hmm. but you still have to have a business plan. You have to have some infrastructure organization and, and you just, you just cannot go out there and turn a camera on and think that you're going to set yourself apart and be picked by these companies to be their guy. No. Yeah. I, 
I got a few. I got like four or five, I guess, things I work by. One of it's great content, and then creativity. It's practice, and role play, and it's uh, you know, repetition. So just kind of live by those. Do it and again. It's Mastering great. it and replicating it. Yeah, great content, repetition, like practice and role play. Accountability is one of them, um, and then repetition. Accountability is a big one mm-hmm. because you have to understand that these marketing com- these marketing divisions of these companies we work for, they might be one person, they might be five people. They got other people they work with. Mm-hmm. They're in charge of their ad campaigns, their digital campaigns, their social media campaigns, their commercial content or their commercial inventory that they're buying from a network. These marketing guys and girls are doing a lot of work that might not be Brett Cannon's day, but that doesn't mean that you don't have to deliver because they're trusting you. Like if they're not watching you or asking you for something, they know that you're still getting it when they do ask, or they're going to have an email with a Dropbox folder file in there that they click on that link and it opens up and there goes, yep, Brett's out doing his job. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, that's the whole thing about that replicating it, that that becomes daily. It becomes second nature. What are you on your phone for building? Um, yeah, you're right. I hate when people are on their phone all the time, but I got to get this. I got to work. I've got to get this right now. I got to get this shot. Yep. And it, it, it's almost like driving me crazy talking about it because I wonder if we lessened it a little bit, would we still be successful? I don't know. I don't know what the, there's, there's guys that might be way more successful than we are that don't have to do it as much because they got something else to offer. Yeah. They might have a different thing. They might be better looking. They might be better hunters. They might be better politicians. They might be able to talk better. They might have a better network. They might have some, somebody in the higher office that knows them and that gives them a little bit of favoritism. There's all, there's all kinds of things and factors that go into it. Yep. But if you answer the question of to get here, to do this, you've got to sacrifice and you have to be willing to understand that your hunts are not just going to be hunts anymore. Yeah. It's a job. Hundred percent job, and it's not easy. Nope. In my head, I'm I'm definitely not the best hunter. I'm definitely not the best fisherman, but I am the hardest worker out there. That's where I try to be. Yeah, you know, every like single the, day. Like the rock says, hardest worker in the room. Yeah, it's a great analogy. He's got a great theme going there, a great marketing tool because he his social media makes it look like he never quits working, and I'm sure that he doesn't, but he has to sometimes. Yeah. But he he's let people inside of his life, and that's why he has the following that he does. And that's why you have the following that you do, because you're the hardest worker in the room. You set yourself apart. You don't take no for an answer. You're, you have a lot of tenacity, and you're not the biggest. You're not the best, but you're you're getting there. You're motivated to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You're you're you got a lot of good teams, a lot of good teams that you work with, and it's you still you it, it is a job and it's your livelihood. But at the end of the day you do get to go see great places and meet good people and eat good food. Oh yeah. I but, wouldn't change it. Nothing. Yeah. But you can't just get there by not, by yeah. working 50 hours a week at interstate battery. You got to be able to sacrifice some of that and say, I got to go, I got to get on the road. Yeah. And that's, and that, and that's a big step for a lot of people. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I took a pay cut there, you know, because it's like, I am part-time. So I get paid part-time at that. So I have to make, I have to do this in order to, you know, have a, have a life, I guess, you know, build, building my brand and I'm not stopping until I get where I want to be. Do you, do you think that you have the ability to take it to the next level? Is there a goal in mind? Is it, is it 
things in your head right now that you see other people doing or that you're motivated or you have these ideas that you're keeping within your your diary right now that they're in, in a year now people can say look at the brett pyre or brett cannon empire and say man now he's added some product to it now he has added a web show on this called this now he's working with you have a lot of goals like that right yeah, now yeah it's just you know trying to make time and that's i don't think there's enough time in a day honestly i with with interstate and then all the other stuff now i'm just trying to find out how i can get those are my struggles is trying to figure out when and where to start and how to start because sometimes you only get one shot at it you know so yeah i got apparel coming i got a podcast that i'm trying to do i'm trying to work on i have the whole studio ready i got a youtube series i want i want to do i have you know a lot of different things that i have written down and i'm just waiting for the right opportunity so you um, just announced on this podcast this life ain't for everybody that the people can expect to see a brett cannon hosted podcast coming up yep all fishing hunting training working out just that growth mindset that you talk about trying to build on that can you let the name of it out of the bag yet or do you have one um no i don't have one yet i have a few that i'm trying to figure out you don't have an idea for a name yet i had a few that i'm trying to work on well tell me what the names are no why because well give me an idea what they are oh you'll, you'll see yeah i want to come up with one okay come up with one when the cannon goes boom podcast <laughs> there it is bam when the cannon goes boom podcast when the cannon goes boom boom shakalaka boom shakalaka boom that's that's clever, dude. It's got to be something. It's got to be something that is more. Um, it's got to be something along that last name, like the canon, like uh, um, what the canons represents and 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 signifies. Like there's got to be some. You got to play off of that. That's a badass last name. So mm -hmm. the canon was a sign of like at our football game, like UNR versus UNLV every year. The the Fremont Cannon goes to the winner. And then at that the winter that year when they're playing they they have they have a um, cannon in the end zone like and if we won the year before we have the cannon it goes off every touchdown or every field goal mm -hmm. it goes off so that could be that's that's just what I'm thinking of is like when the cannon goes boom or something like that yeah, yeah. but yeah I got that kind of stuff I want to you know build in my production company I want to at some point I'm getting to a point where I need to hire somebody to help out. You know, I'm, I have so much work coming in now with production side of things and getting more equipment, more more companies that, you know, I almost need a guy helping me out. So I got to figure across that that road here soon. Okay, so we got When the Cannon Goes Boom podcast coming up. That's going to be an awesome name. When the Cannon Goes Boom, you're going to hire some guys. You got apparel coming. Your website's getting re redone right now under construction. And you are going to potentially have a web series you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I film everything I do. You know, I just got to, like I said, figure out how I'm going to go about, I guess, I don't know, the, the, the storyline or how I'm going to go about doing it. Not just because I don't want to be just another a couple kills, you know. I don't know if I'm going to incorporate, you know, some cooking into it or, or whatnot because I love cooking on the trigger. And what what is the... The, the theme of your life is so diverse. Are you, are you going to try to build every aspect of the life into there of what you're doing, showing people what you're mm -hmm. doing? Yeah. 
Everything. So let's talk about let's talk about a little bit of that. What's coming up? Because we still have not got to the fishing, which we are going to. But another big part of your life right now is this fitness deal. Mm-hmm. You just completed your first what? You just didn't you do something last year? The end I did of last a, year? yeah, I did a, a, my first tri- triathlon. It was a it was called an Xterra race. Did you finish it? Yeah, yeah, it was insane. W- what does that entail? It was a mile swim. It was in where was it? It was in South Carolina, like Myrtle Beach. South Carolina and a front had came through. So we had a swim in like 60 degree water, like a mile, one point, I think it was one mile. And then I had to get on a mountain bike and ride 16 miles on a mountain bike trail. Like, you know, it's not like riding a street bike on flat ground. This thing's all, you know, it's a bunch of different elevation. And then after that, I had to run six miles after the mountain bike. And I did it in two hours and five minutes. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. The swimming part set is is what would scare me the most. Yeah, it's tough. It's swimming scary. swimming looks fun and it seems easy when you're watching Phelps or somebody just dolphin across the pool. My nephew Caden's 13 and he is a badass swimmer. And then you get in there and you get halfway across an Olympic sized swimming pool and you're like, I'm getting ready to touch the side and you look up and you're not even halfway across it. You're like, holy shit! You're using muscles that you don't even know your body has it's an unbelievable form of exercise for lung capacity for strength endurance uh mental toughness oh the mental side's insane yeah it's crazy to get through the threshold like i want to quit every time around 400 meters and then my body's like telling I, it's like you got to stop like your arms are about to fall off you're going to drown but you got to get through it and once you get break that like that next 150 meters then you're back into like in the in the swing it's just That's like amazing boom then you're gone for another five six hundred meters and then you've got the, what's your strong point in it? You, what would you say is your strongest? I don't, I don't think I have one. I'm weak at all of them. <laughs> <laughs> My cat, like, I was, I, I was a mile into the run and both quads started cramping. And then my calves started cramping and I'm like, oh gosh, I don't think I'm going to make this. But I had to burn through it. And it was, a mile in the run? Yeah. Well, that's not good. No. A mile out of how many? 13? How many, how many miles in an Xterra? Well, no, it was a 15, it was a sixteen mile bike ride and then a six mile run right after. Oh, so, so your legs were yeah. already smoked from the bike yeah. ride. Yeah. And that bike ride, I take it, I assume it's not on flat ground. No, 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 it's not. It's tough. So you t- you talk about swimming. Something else that you've got me into and trying to get better at, and I don't do it nearly on the level that you or some people. I want to talk about some of the people that you run with, but free diving has become something that that blows my mind. And I thought like there's no way that I could ever get to 20 or 25 feet, like straight, just getting in the water, hoisting yourself and shooting down in the water and relaxing your muscles and breathing and going 25. And what's your furthest? Uh, 50. And what? Not that good. That's, that's unbelievable though. But there's guys that you run with that go 120. Yeah. Yeah. Froggy. Our buddy Froggy that I fished a, on a tournament team with. He's insane. He's had some world records. Three of them. He won the world's like three times yeah. in three different bodies of water, three different countries. And I'm like, to go, you're at the top of the water. And if you think about how long 120 feet is, so that's from crazy. two times from home plate to first base, right? No, that's mm-hmm. from home plate. I always mess this up. From home plate to the pitcher's mound twice. So you're, you're going straight down in 120 feet. And, touching the bottom, and then you need to get back up. Yeah. That's got to be the hard part, right? I mean, yeah. people he, have died doing this. He goes down and he just sits on the bottom. He's, he's like there. a fish. It's insane to watch. It's insane. 
What does it take to free dive? Like, talk to me a little bit about, is it, is it mental stuff too? And, but relax, you don't want to be tensed up, right? You got to relax. You got to relax and slow your heartbeat way down. He didn't, you can't drink coffee that day. You don't drink energy drinks. You don't, and like, you want to be, oh, you almost, he tells me when he, he's the one that taught me. I didn't, I could only get like 20 feet before. And then I was in Dominican Republic with him and without a weight belt, he had me, I grabbed sand at 50 feet. Well, he's like, man, you got to get so relaxed that you're almost, you almost want to piss yourself. That's how relaxed he's saying. Almost like, oh, like your body goes limp because you want to slow your heart rate down. And then it's just like a, it's just a free fall. You get a couple kicks in and then he said, you just want to just kind of glide and save all your oxygen. Every time you kick, every time you use muscle, you know, you're using oxygen. So he's just so graceful in the water. It's how do you breathe? Crazy. When do you breathe? There's no way that you, you have to breathe in 120 feet, right? How do you breathe? No, I mean, you hold your breath up top. And then the whole th- way down is one breath. I can do that at 20 feet. So you're saying even when you start going f- that far, it's on one breath. Mm-hmm. And then when you get done and you and you jolt yourself up, rocket ship yourself up, you breathe out all the way up, just and, and come. You're, you're not holding your breath still, are you? Yeah, I think so. Well, when I swim, I don't know. I don't, when I, don't, I swim, I'm swimming, mm-hmm. right? And then I take my head out of the water and I take a breath put my head back down in the water, I'm swimming. And when I start to get tired, I blow that breath out in the water. Yeah. I don't breathe in under, under the water. That's when I take my head out. A lot of people think, well, when you take that breath, you just hold it and do as many strokes as you can on that breath and then bring your head up and let that breath out and then, and then, and then get more air in, right? Yeah. But really, that, I'm one, you don't breathe like that in free diving because you can't put your head out of the water when you're underwater, obviously. You don't have oxygen tanks on and a snorkel on. Yeah. So you're going down 120 feet. That's ninja shit, dude. Yeah, he's he's next level. He can hold his breath probably like five minute breath hold probably. That's and there's just to I mean, me they that, work on that. Obviously, it's just like anything. They train themselves to, you know, how many actually breathing. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't do it. I don't. You know, I, I do it a little bit at like thirty feet in the Bahamas. You know, I try to stay around that level because that's even hard sometimes. That's way hard. Yeah, twenty feet for me, like a, twelve feet in a swimming pool, I can get pretty easy. Mm-hmm. But eight more feet doesn't sound like a lot, and it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, 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 lot. And I'm just like, I'm gonna die on the way up. And you start to the thing that happens that hurts people is they panic. Mm-hmm. And when you panic, your body goes into shock. And that's what people, some people have passed away and died during these world championships and these free diving incidents. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think that it's smart to really put yourself at 120 feet under the water and then have to get back up. And, 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 and if you, there's a word for it, it's escaping my mind right now. I wish I was more educated medical, but there's a word when you when your lungs go into attack mode or something and you, and you freak out and. You anabolic shock or anaholic something. I can't think of it. I'm not that sharp, but I can't imagine being that badass in the water. Yeah. He's, yeah. I think he, he tries to stay around like 70, obviously 80 feet or, you know, I mean, he sets himself apart obviously because he wants to go to where the fish are at because of, I mean, a lot of people can probably do 60, 70 feet, but not when you start getting deeper than that, he's on another level. So he shoots some big grouper stuff I mean, was he the one that had the video that kit was showing us of the shark the great white 14 foot great white you know the video i'm talking about the kid yeah, i don't shows? think it was his that guy free dives down and he's got a spear gun yeah, and he's fishing down on the bottom i don't remember how deep kit said it was it was a buddy of kids mm-hmm. and yeah. he's, he has eight approaches of a 14 foot great white that come he's got a helmet cam on 
yeah. and it comes at him trying to figure out he knows something's there and he stays he stays down behind the rock and the algae and that thing comes on the last one he puts that spear right he tries to get it to at least because the shark gets so close to him and again do you know the self-discipline in the the flight or fright or flight symptom that goes off in your body and you're like oh my god i'm getting ready to die and you can't let bubbles out you can't let them see where you're at you got to be so relaxed sitting on the bottom of that water this 14 foot man-eating badass shark the baddest animal in the world probably is ready to just smoke you yeah and you get you live through that because you can relax your body and stay there's no way i had a 10 foot bull shark i was actually watching froggy um, go down on like a 30 or 40 pound black grouper and i'm i go down like 30 feet i find this grouper it's too deep for me so i'm like i call froggy over and he goes down he goes down he's like hey all right come down like 30 40 feet sit above me while i go down and kind of see where this grouper goes because i'll shoot him and he'll take the spear and go under a rock so i'm going he goes down there and i'm like kind of 20 or 30 feet and i'm just watching him all of a sudden from my right a bull shark like a fighter jet coming up at me as fast as it can swim. I legitimately shat myself in the water. Like it got to 10 feet. I'm just trying to turn my spear to it. Like I'm about to die. Like, I don't know. I'm not that familiar with this stuff. And it got to like 10 feet. And like I said, and then it just banked off and went straight towards the grouper that froggy shot. And I legitimately, like I honestly was probably the most scared I've ever been in my life. I wonder why he didn't get you. I think he was just trying to scare me off. Like, Hey, that's my grouper? Yeah, that's my grouper. I don't know. You're so lucky you weren't bleeding or something or have like a little cut on your toe or something. What about that surfer last year? Remember that two, one or two years ago, that surfer in Hawaii, I think? You know the shark attack I'm talking about? Mm-mm. You got to look up that video. It was at the World Championships or something on the pipeline. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I don't know. Like when we're out fishing and we're, we're, we're chasing fish in – a mile or two, 50 miles off. I've been everywhere with you out in that ocean. Like, is it dumb to jump off the boat like we do and swim around out there in, in those waters? No. I what are the chances of a shark smoking us? I don't know. You probably have a better shot hitting the lottery. Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah. There's not many sharks around Fort Lauderdale? There are. I mean, if you're, I, mean, we, I wouldn't say jump in if we got a bunch of tuna on and they're down there, like, kind of causing, calling, the tuna. <laughs> like, falling the tunas. But, I jump in the water every time. I try to get the shots, you know, that we need, underwater shots. Oh, I know. I see. I jump in with you. It's crazy. And then looking back on it, I'm like, I wonder if we really ought to be jumping in there because you have a I'm fish. I'm going to look on. around first. Off. You know, I'm going to... Yeah, but you, just like that bull shark coming up on, you don't know. Oh, yeah. No, it could happen. You're in their freaking world, dude. You have no protection. You're done. You have, you're done. I mean, I'm, I was swimming one time in Myrtle Beach, and I'm like, I wonder why nobody's swimming out here. Seriously, this is a true story. I'm out there doing a Bass Pro event, and we're swimming, and me and my buddy Josh are out there, and I go way out, and I'm swimming. I love the water, and I'm swimming. I'm like, damn it, there's nobody out here. This is crazy. They're all way down there. And sure enough, that night on the news, we're watching it, and a girl had just got her leg bitten off by a shark right by that boardwalk that I was at. And they had, it was like nobody, all the locals knew, don't go in there. And I guess we missed this. We missed the meeting. <laughs> Dude, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like I'm an idiot. Like yeah. I'm out there swimming where there's no, there's sharks. And it's probably because these guys are fishing off of this pier that goes way out into the ocean in this part of Myrtle Beach. And they're probably, you know, they're losing their bait or throwing a piece of bait off. And those sharks and those, those, you know, those carnivore fish are probably, 
you know, centering in on that because they know there's going to be fresh meat in there. And then here comes Chad Belding from Reno, Nevada with a cut on his leg and smoked right there. I could have been. I'm just like, probably tastes good. Oh, dude. I mean, Italian, dark skin, (laughs) oily. Yeah, it could have been. I mean, there could have been like a mullet run or a bunch of bait or something like that. that, But yeah, I I go, I train, I'm training for my, my first Ironman now and I got to swim. Like I go about. I don't know, 15, 20 yards off the ocean, off the beach, and I just swim as far as I can. And I'm like, sometimes I'm swimming, and I'm like, I've definitely seen some big sharks in here. The mullet run just happened. There's a bunch of bait around. I'm like, I might get eaten. But, but why would you do it? Why would you do it then? Why don't you train. just go to a swimming pool? Because it's not the same. You got the swimming pool, you got to stop, turn around. I'm, I'm going to try to train where Yeah, but I don't the Iron stop. Man's not in the, is the Iron Man in the ocean? It is. Or is it in a lake? It's probably in a big lake. I got to go around some Well, there's buoys. no sharks in a big lake, dude. No, but alligators. No. Is it in Florida, the Ironman? Mm-hmm. They won't put you in our alligator water, will they? I mean, every water body of water down there has snapping like, turtles and like 2,000 people in this minute, so hopefully That's a lot do. of alligator food. Hopefully, yeah. you're, hopefully, you just all you got to do is not be the slowest. Yeah. <laughs> not first. Don't be first or last. <laughs> don't be, first. be in the middle of that pack where he at least got a shot that he doesn't center point you and just smoke you. That, that's another thing that like Sam Nat and our mutual buddy in Kentucky and these guys do these rednecks that die like Leith Loft. And I'm like, are you nuts, dude? You're sticking your freaking arm on, up a big catfish's mouth and they're snapping turtles down there in these same lakes and these bodies of water like Kentucky Lake. And that's how he makes his money, too. He's got to pick a guitar. He better not be sticking his hand down there. I know. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Yeah. You Turn play an unbelievable off. guitar, and you're you're gonna risk it by sticking your hand up a stinky ass catfish's mouth. Oh, it's called noodling, dude. You go down there, bub, and you like you you know they're in there, and you fill around, and you and you and you mess with its nose, and he opens his mouth, and you just stick. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. no, it ain't no. I can, I know, I I'll go to him. Long John Silver's, dude, way before I'm going noodling. <laughs> <laughs> we got a catfish duty to tell where we were at. That's where I'm gonna go, but. Sam, I'm actually going to try to do it this year. I, t- I really told Sam I'm going to go. But I'm like, you're going in there first. You're going to make sure it's a small, like a 20 or 30 pounder, and there's no snapping turtles or whatever else could be down there. You ever looked at, go there. Have you ever looked at Sam's shins and his calves and his forearms? Have you ever paid attention to what they look like? Yeah, it's like they're, Hercules. They're not up. They look like the dude in Kickboxer. Remember when he's kicking the pose? They look like Jean-Claude Van Damme's, the guy that he fought in Kickboxer's shins. I'm like, are you a fighter? And he's like, no, those are just all catfish bites. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Yeah. I'm like, nobody has catfish bites, dude. <laughs> nobody knows, said nobody ever. Oh, those are just catfish gnawing on my forearm. You know, yeah. I just stick it under there and let them gnaw on <laughs> Sammy's just got to be, I wouldn't fight the dude. I mean, the dude has got to be tougher than shit. And all those guys, the Harrison brothers and all the guys he runs with, they, they do it daily. Like when it's on and it's the season, yeah. they started a company called Kentucky Hand Grabbing. And I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be a client. I'm not even going to sit in the boat and watch you do it. It would ear me out. Like, it's like, ugh. And I guess I sound like a pansy doing it, but you think about a snapping turtle smoking your hand off, and then you're like, was that really worth it? I can't never even wipe my ass anymore because I had to stick my hand down there because I thought I was going to catch a 40-pound catfish. <laughs> you ever heard of a bobber and power bait, dude? Yeah. That's what I'm rolling with. <laughs> I'm rolling with a bell and a bobber and sitting my ass in a chair and with drinking a beer and just chilling. Yeah, so I just, stink bait. It just, yeah, it's crazy that they do it, and it's not like... We've done it once. We're never doing that again. Like, I can't wait till tomorrow. And I'm just like, are you guys freaking crazy, man? I don't know. I got to do it's it, nuts. I guess. He tells me, he's like, dude, you'll wrestle alligators. I've jumped in the water with alligators, you know. And he's like, how can you do that, but you won't go noodle a catfish? I'm like, 
I guess this is the fear of the unknown, unknown, right? I just have never done it. So I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know what they're going to do. I just don't have any idea. But yeah, I guess I didn't no when I first started with Gators. I don't know. I guess I don't know. I got to do it. I'm going to try it. Not. I don't think go. you will. I don't think you will. I'm going to. I, said, I almost want to say right now, if you do it, I'll do it. But I won't. I want to put one of those giant gloves on, though. Like one of those ones that they, I don't know. Because their forearms are all bleeding and stuff after. I'm like, That's what I'm saying. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you tell me you're going to do that? Because I got Sam called me out, so I got to do it. I think you're you're nuts. We're going to end that right there. That's part two with my boy Brett Cannon, This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast. We're going to come back with Brett Cannon, part three, volume three. We haven't even got in to the fishing. I mentioned it yesterday. I'm looking at it again. Bill Fish Royal Slam Club, the International Game Fist Association, presents this certificate to the one and only Brett Cannon for successfully catching the below-listed fish within his or her fishing lifetime. The species are spearfish, Pacific blue marlin, Pacific sailfish, striped marlin, white marlin, Atlantic blue marlin, Atlantic sailfish, swordfish, and a black marlin. One, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine species of billfish. The Billfish Royal Slam Club, signed by the president, Rob Kramer, in witness whereof the undersigned has affixed his signature. We're going to get into that. We're going to talk about when he did this, the dates he did it on in 2013, 14, 15, and the places he did it, and who he did it with, his buddy Kit, other guys he runs with in South Florida in sail fishing competitions. And these guys, like I talked about yesterday, are surgeons. I can't wait to get into it. It's what I've been waiting to get into because I'm enthralled with it. I'm addicted to it. I love being out on his dad's boat. We're going to talk about that boat because they just got a brand new conch c-o-n-c-h conch conch 33 foot conch three c-o-n-c-h c-o-n-c-h yeah they they, they make very very minimal boats they let meaning that it's the highest quality boat you can get and they make like a certain number a year that's not yeah my dad's not crazy he put three four hundreds on the back I, I don't even want to get in it yet i'm so excited to hear about three four hundred horsepower motors guys think about how fast we're going to be flying across to the bahamas a 51 mile boat ride about an hour and a half two hours from fort lauderdale the bahamas to bemidji it might be I 55 I don't 55 know. miles i can't wait to get down there i cannot wait but we're going to talk about that on brett cannon part three this life ain't for everybody thank you guys so much new episodes of the foul life we're in argentina this week right now with argentina duck hunting adventures monty baldwin and his crew airing right right now this week on the outdoor channel season 10 next week is part two the continuation of argentina it's been a blast i can't wait to get back down there with him new foul life gear in our foul life store at the foullife.com new hats available soon we're we're excited about it we got a lot of new brands we're getting ready to launch and check out our sponsors page and please support them thank you benelli for being our title sponsor again today's episode was brought to us by our friends at edge duck boats and mountain ops supplements and jack links jerky please support the partners that support us again edge boats mountain and Jack Link's Jerky. Awesome quality, awesome individuals, awesome brands, awesome companies. We're humbled and excited to do more with them in the future. Chad Belding, This Life Ain't For Everybody, for Brett Cannon. We will be back again with part three. Tom, my man, will you please pay, play What You Gonna Do When The Money's All Gone by our boy, Leith Lofton. Leith Lofton. Take the money, What you gonna do when the money's all gone?